Hey, man, is that the Rock News Weekly Podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movies, pop culture, and more. Now on to this week's episode. This week on the Rock News Weekly Podcast, week of March 20th, 2023, season 5, episode number 11. This week we talk about Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen was attacked outside his hotel room by a 19-year-old stranger. Robert Smith is pissed at Ticketmaster for their crazy ticket fees for The Cure's upcoming tour. Vinyl outselling CDs for the first time since 1987. And Aftershock, as well as Louder Than Life's huge lineups for 2023, could be their best yet and more. Plus, this week in rock and roll history trivia, weekly WTF, and so much more. Watch us live every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly and on demand, youtube.com at rocknewsweekly. All right, it's time for the Rock News Weekly Podcast. What's up, everybody? Chris here, as well as David. What's up, David? Hello. Ready for another week of crazy stories? We got some interesting ones this week, including a one-armed drummer got assaulted by a 19-year-old child. So, wow. Yeah, that's that's the first basic big story that we're going to talk about this week of March 20th, Season 5, Episode number 11, Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen was attacked outside his hotel having a smoke by a 19-year-old stranger. We'll delve into that in just a minute. Robert Smith is pissed at Ticketmaster for their crazy fees for The Cure's upcoming tour. Vinyl outselling CDs for the first time since 1987. Aftershock, Louder Than Life, we'll go over those lineups. They're huge. They're probably some of the best each festival has had. Plus, this week in rock and roll history trivia, weekly WTF, and so much more. Everything's up, rocknewsweekly.com. Support us if you like for as low as $3.99 a month. You get access to all of our exclusive interviews with bands, musicians, our Aftershock interviews that we're going to have coming up this year as well as last year's. They're all behind that uh, paywall for uh, only our subscribers. So check that out. Some really cool stuff there. All right. Uh, Of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at Rock News Weekly. Follow us. Check us out. We're on all the different platforms how you listen, including Amazon, uh, Audible, Apple, Google, all that stuff. Let's get to the top news of the week. For us here in California, uh, in the rock world, Aftershock has turned into the biggest uh, rock festival here on the West Coast. And we've been doing media for Aftershock uh, at our radio station uh, for 10 years. I was thinking about it since 2013, back when it was a two-day festival, then it was a three-day festival, then it turned into a four-day festival. And now... We have this huge lineup that uh, has come out this week, and I think it's their best yet in terms of uh, the amount of artists you get, more bang for your buck, uh, as well as just the diversity of it. I think it's it's kind of all over the place. They did a pretty good job. So off your first impressions before we get into the lineup, what stands out to you and, and what kind of makes you go, oh, my God? Well, I mean, I, I know what you're I know what you're thinking on that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I like to see that there limp biscuit on the headline. Yeah, right? uh, I, I, that, know. That, I did say I, I it's mean, very polarizing. Probably the most polarizing one on this lineup. I mean, it's just interesting to see like you know fancy limp biscuit writing, and then down beneath it, Megadeth. I know, you know, like what? It's almost <laughs> sacrilegious in the rock world, kind of. 
Yes, and a lot of people are like switch, even like switch Limp Biscuit out with Baby Metal or some of these yeah. other, some of these smaller, uh, like Sleep Token, any of these ones that are a little bit better, like Death Clock, for example. That's very, I mean, that's the Adult Swim joke band, Death Clock. That's the heavy metal death <laughs> band, fronted by Jack Black and a lot of other really cool people. And that, to me, is more of a headliner than Limp Biscuit, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no offense. Uh, no offense Fred to Limp Bizkit and, and all, but I, they're almost like a novelty. I feel like yeah. they're like a meme. They're like kind of like a joke or something. That oh, we gotta go see Limp Bizkit. Well, you know? I mean, just as soon as I see Limp Bizkit, <laughs> I just, I just smell cigarettes and uh, I don't know, like what is that? Uh, old English old forty. Eng- yeah, you know, yeah. Like I a- just, it's that's, it's just, I'm just in uh, Cody Stubbs' car. <laughs> Right? Just immediately. Yeah, transported back to 1999, right? Right? All right, so that's the bad. What about the good? What stands out to you in terms of something that's interesting that would maybe get you out there uh, that stands out to you in that way? Well, always, I mean, Queens of Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. That's a really cool one that hasn't toured in a while, too, so I think that's pretty rad. What else? And, of of course, corn. Yes, um, corn. Yeah, they're, uh, they're taking a break from corn camp by doing this. You I, know? Well, well, I mean, shoot. Uh, wouldn't you? I know. Well, they, the money's good. It's a nice California thing. You get out. Corn camp's like in Iowa or something. It's horrible. Yeah. But Coming we do, out, the weather's a lot better in the, we, in the summer. We do have a new ad, so stay tuned later in the episode, guys, because we're going to be playing the new corn camp quadratic chaos ad that uh, is is fronted by their new math teacher that breaks down the time in corn songs into fun quadratic equations. It's really great. So. It's really useful. It really, is. It's a useful thing. We'll get it's to that later. Kids benefit from it. Uh, um, I, I mean, I look else? forward to seeing Rancid. Rancid, right? Yeah. Just, you know, classics. Yep. Um, also, some of the ones that stand out, uh, we were mentioning Death Clock, Megadeth, uh, some uh, Sleep Token. Uh, I'm really looking forward to checking them out for the first time. They're from the UK. They don't tour over here very much. Uh, Billy Talent as well. Same thing there. Uh, there's also Tool, of course, headlining on Friday, which is uh, Tool do- doesn't play very many shows. And when they do, they're very expensive and they always sell out. So it's really nice to have them at a festival setting where you yeah. feel like you kind of get like um, a treat seeing a band like that uh, of that caliber and expense uh, as one of the headlines or as well as Guns N' Roses. Whether you like them or not, that's a very expensive ticket. That's going to be a good solid two-and-a-half-hour set of all their greatest hits. Uh, it's going to be pretty solid. Same thing with the Pantera reunion. Uh, every track that they're going to play is going to be a hit, and it's going to be cool to see it in its live form, uh, some for the first time and you know, some checking out this new incarnation. So it's got something for everybody here. So let's yeah, it really does. There's a you know bands like uh, what was I three eleven three eleven but totally uh, off the wall, different than a lot of the bands AFI on the lineup. And you know, there's a little bit seems a little bit a uh, few of those in there are more punk. Definitely, metal, you know? aftershock does a good job of that. They get a lot of uh, uh, both sides of the spectrum or whatever. A lot of hip hop in- influenced stuff. A lot of uh, dark metal. A lot of cool stuff like that. So. One, this lineup, to be honest, for Louder Than Life, I'm a little bit more jealous of for the the, the variety here. With Foo Fighters yeah. and Weezer, as well as Green, Green Day, Day. Uh, as some of the headliners that are different from Aftershock, I got to say those are some really strong, different ones. Also, Royal Blood up there on Thursday. They're from the UK. They don't tour over here very much. 
just a duo. They're really good. Um, there's a couple other like Run the Jewels. That's that. Oh, yeah. hip, that's the hip hop oh, that yeah. I was saying that was missing. I felt from the AfterShock lineup that normally they do a great job with that. We did get to interview Run the Jewels back in I think it was 2015, 2016, and that was a highlight. We got to interview them at AfterShock, and they were some of the coolest guys there. So I felt AfterShock was kind of missing the mark a little bit with that, but at the same time, I can't complain. What do you think on this one? Um, you know, I I noticed that there's. It's it's kind of similar in the headliners, the ones that that interest me, um, that I was noticing before. Where did it go? Uh, my goodness, sorry. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. The Who. I was wanting to ask about the, the Who. H U. Yes, H U. You who. ever hear them? Yes, I got to interview them at AfterShock a couple years ago. They're a Mongolian throat metal band. That yeah. So I was looking into. The, I, okay. All right. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. I so, yeah. And they're some of the nicest, coolest guys too. Like they're like genuinely super cool. They love and respect women in their culture a lot and uh, they kind of talked about that a little bit and some of their songs and the meaning behind them. They're all very like uh, empowering and spiritual and uh, respectful and they're just cool people but they have this fun kind of metal chant along persona yeah. that like really connects with like average joes they like kind of a the feeling of that sort of like working class uh, yeah it's kind like of floggy molly ish yeah it's yeah. like these are young up and coming guys in their country and they're mongolian dudes and they have this kind of like anthemic like you know we're all in this kind of together kind of thing and yeah. it's it's a really it it's neat when you see it live like at a place like aftershock or some of these festivals they kill it. They're just great. They're fantastic. So I think they're on the Aftershock lineup this year as well, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're, there they are right here. They're yeah. there on Friday on Aftershock as well. So I'm super excited. Maybe we'll get a chance to interview them again. That was one of the highlights for me for sure. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's move on. Well, you got some uh, rock news to talk about this week. This was a big deal, and it kind of ties into the next story as well. Um, we'll, we'll get to the, um, the drummer uh, assault in a bit here, but Metallica acquiring the vinyl manufacturing company Furnace, one of America's largest vinyl manufacturing companies. Uh, according to the acquisition here, it's a, <coughs> excuse me, um, a formalization basically of a long-standing rela- relationship between the band and the company who's been making their vinyl since 2014. So now they've bought the whole kind of company. Um, they've done everything, all their re-releases and everything. So kind of a sign of the times, right? That uh, Metallica, a band of their um, stature, basically buying out the company that presses their records. And this, we were saying that records outselling CDs for the first time since 1987. That's another story we're going to be talking about. So what do you think of this, uh, Dave, when you see something like this, that uh, a band kind of making a big move like that? Yeah, that's it, it makes me think... Uh is there any any sort of like conflict of interest there? <laughs> not well, not really, but but, um, but I mean, talks, I, I guess you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, we're just gonna. It's like almost like a, a small company with a good idea and a big corporation, come like Kirkland comes and buys that out, and it's like we'll just buy your company. We have enough money. How about we give you twenty million dollars and you let us just take it over? Yeah, right? yeah. Which is crazy in this case that Metallica is in that position. You know? I know, just just enormous. To, um, to be honest, they to me they don't. It doesn't feel like they have 
uh, depth of their catalog to kind of like they've already done all these box sets to me like in the in the last couple years yeah I don't really see what's left and and to me I think they're just doing it because they want other bands to use their pressing plant now as basically like oh let's go to the Metallica guys and have our album pressed and they'll press it on Furnace right mm. I don't know so we'll see uh, ties into another article that we're going to be talking yeah, about I just keep thinking why would they why would they want to do this it's just that's what I'm wondering about. I think it's to, it's a cut it's to cut the cost to me um, it's th- this is a very big expense and it's a big middleman as a band you uh-huh. have to wait you have to pay all this extra stuff to get your uh, vinyl shipped to you and if you're a big enough band with a big enough catalog you cut that middleman out and you become the record plant basically and that's kind of what Jack White did with third man records he basically realized as a musician if I want to get it done the way I want to get it done I have to jump through all these extra hoops and expenses and all this shit, right? And we just want to do it our way. And so Metallica is kind of that band where they're a little bit of a prima donna type of attitude. Like, we want to do it our way, our thing, and we don't want to pay extra money for that, you know? So I could see that maybe being Well, a however it is, I hope, I hope we can get some uh, maybe less, less or maybe more obscure bands to get in, in, in some vinyl. And presses. how about this? More jobs for us here locally and more record plants for like communities where maybe they could expand furnace on the West Coast, yeah. on the East Coast, in the Midwest, and create these jobs in an industry that seems to be thriving that we're sending off to Czechoslovakia to get our pressings when we could very well do it here and yeah. create jobs in industry here. So I hope that's part of that plan too. And Metallica might be onto something, so that's cool. Uh, it takes a band like them to kind of bring attention to it, you know? So, all right, did you see this? The David uh, David Byrne and the Talking Heads releasing the 40th anniversary edition of this um, Stop Making Sense. Have you ever seen the film Stop Making Sense? No, no, no I haven't seen it. Uh, it's a great concert film. It's I think it's one of the best concert films of all time. We'll get to the little video promo here in just a second to let you guys see it. Um but it was directed by Jonathan Demme, who's a director of a lot of like creepy stuff, like Silence of the Lambs, some different things like that. He's done some different stuff, right? But he jumped into the um, kind of, I guess, concert video world uh, that a lot of directors, Martin Scorsese did it with uh, The Last Waltz. There was some others. Um, but this was almost like a theatrical kind of performance, this movie. Um, and it was a big deal when it came out at the time. I can't believe it's been 40 years. But yes, December of 1983. That's when it was debuted, right? Well, it's going to be back in theaters for the first time since then. For 40 years, they're actually going to have it in theaters nationwide. And uh, the core members, David Byrne, Tina Weymouth, Chris France, Jerry Harrison, uh, are all kind of like getting behind it here. They're going to have a deluxe reissue of the album. I already ordered the vinyl. It's a double vinyl. It's out for the first time on vinyl uh, with a full concert. Um, they have a, uh, what do they call it, a 28-page booklet of photos and liner notes from that concert, the band's core members. The vinyl edition includes some previously unreleased tracks and a full poster 
so it's kind of neat uh you guys can check that out on their website but i'm gonna play no. the uh the little trailer for you go ahead oh i was just gonna ask don't the talking heads have some uh some issues they do so currently jerry harrison and adrian Ballou, who was in the band for a brief time uh, are on tour doing remain in light era stuff um not the album that we're talking about but yeah, apparently there's not a the collaboration. Between Jerry Harrison and, and others, right? Yeah, well, I think Jerry Jerry's on board with this with David Byrne. I think maybe it lies with Adrian Ballou and maybe some of the other members. Mm-hmm. It seems that they're on board, but David Byrne doesn't want to do like a greatest hits type of approach to the music. He doesn't want to... Um, he's an evolving artist in his own words or whatever, and he wants to do new stuff. But now it seems, obviously, in this 40th anniversary edition that he's kind of back on board with this. I don't know if that means that we're going to see a tour or not. Yeah, I kind of wonder because that's that does, ex- I don't know, I don't know too much about it, but it seems to explain that a band like the Talking Heads with the, the, the oeuvre that they have and kind of the lack of mainstream popularity. Yeah. Like, like there's that, that sort of greatest hits that that would reinvigorate those songs. Oh, yeah, right. I remember that song, right. you know. I don't know. It's artists like that sometimes don't want to go that route. They they want to stick to what they're doing now. Like Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin is a great example. Doesn't want to go back to the Led Zeppelin stuff at all. Has no desire to do it. He wants to do stuff with Alison Krauss. He's really into bluegrass, Americana. And he can't sing the notes the way he used to either. And so that's a part of it for him, but... Some artists just kind of like they grow out of it and they don't want to come back, you know? And I think he might be, I don't know. But according to this, uh, according to this, he's into it. So let's check out the promo video here. Check it out, guys. It's it's been here for a while. Give me a sec. So he's going to the dry cleaners and he's going to pick up his big suit. This is one of the suits that he wears in the (laughs) movie. And it's a really funny iconic suit. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Okay, you got it. Thank you. Very good. Have a great day. Very New York, rolling down with his bike to the dry cleaner. There's a clip from the original. There he is now. So there you go. Stop stop making sense 2023. Uh, Pretty awesome, uh, I got to say. I, I do like to see David Byrne, uh, like we were saying, uh, go back to this kind of era. He's been kind of, um, what do you call it, a poet. It just doesn't seem like he's been into it. So um, kind of cool that he's giving it a shot and being part of this big 40th anniversary for it. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can understand the feeling of not wanting to be part of this whole, like, Regurgitating of old nostalgia, you know, nostalgia. You know, I can understand that, the but in some cases, thing. you know, I think it, I think it's appropriate. You yeah, know, this is this summative moment, forty years since, I, and, and I it's think a really that's yeah, exactly. Of, and that's I think how they got him to kind of be like, yeah, this is celebrating it in a yeah. way, right? So we'll see what happens with it, but the uh, the pre sales are happening, so check it out. All right, some more rock news this week was uh, interesting with Robert Smith from The Cure saying he's sickened by Ticketmaster fees after setting low ticket prices for the Cure's upcoming tour. Somebody sent a screenshot here of where the um, the actual tickets are $80, but the fees and everything else are uh, almost 90-something. So the ticket price is 172 wow. total when four tickets 
were uh, this uh, only twenty dollars. They tried to do a, a deal where the Cure offered fan club members a cheaper price on tickets. They gave them twenty dollar tickets. How cool is that, right? Yeah. So that's really cool. It's like a movie. <laughs> yeah. So the Cure tried their best to do that, but then look at what Ticketmaster did. Service fee, eleven sixty-five times four. Facility fee, ten dollars times four. Order processing fee, five fifty, came out to ninety-six or uh, ninety-four dollars, something like that. Fourteen more dollars than the actual tickets themselves. For a total of one seventy-two. And look at the delivery was mobile, so free. So I mean I don't so see So facility and service. Yeah, what service is being had other than just the website where we're put placing the order facility what are you charging me for the i'm i'm coming to your facility and i'm gonna spend money <laughs> you know buying food and drink what are you charging me ten dollars just to be there for like you're gonna build the uh this is for the janitors or but something? then and then the service fee for 11.65 per ticket on Ticketmaster's end to us the consumer what are they charging us for that service you know, yeah, for a twenty dollar really. ticket, it's that's like the highest one in there. Forty six dollars, right? It's an online, probably fully automated, right? It's all automated. It's all digital. There's no paper. There's no more paper tickets. I used to at least love getting my tickets in the mail. I would always select mail it to me. I don't want the digital ticket. Yeah, I want physical tickets, right? Now you can't even get that. Can't get that anymore. So at least there was in my mind at that time, like, well, I'm paying for the ticket, I guess, for that facility. Which fee. is so sad because that's like you save those tickets. I right? know. You keep the put them in the journal, staple them to the I page, know. or put them in a frame sometimes. So anyway, Robert Smith kind of went on uh, online and uh, vented about it, and he got a response from Ticketmaster. So I'll read it to you guys. You can check it out here. Here's the response. It says. After further conversation, Ticketmaster have agreed with us that many of the fees being charged are unduly high, and as a gesture of goodwill, have offered a $10 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for lowest price transactions, and a $5 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for all other ticket price transactions for all Cure shows at all venues. So they did actually give a little bit of a refund there but still not the full price. So what do you think of that response from Ticketmaster? I, I bet they were pissed. <laughs> I bet they were pissed they had to do that, right? right. They're like, motherfucker. Right. I, I mean, ha. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'll say. Ha. Um, good job. Good job, Mr. Smith. I know. At least, uh, and uh, tip of the hat to you, good sir, for, for doing that. Um, artist in his position don't have to go this far. And don't have to interact, I will say, on Twitter the way he was. He's literally like the the dude on the account, on his main account, and he's very active with the band and his Robert Smith account. So he was posting all this stuff, talking with fans, responding to questions, and a lot of respect for him. They haven't toured in six or seven years. There's no yeah. need for him to do this. He could easily cash out the way a lot of other bands do. I got to say, like bands like comes to my mind like Jawbreaker and some of these other ones that I saw that I experienced this same exact shit and these are supposed punk bands wouldn't even say anything the way Robert Smith did so good for him for at least like 
bringing attention to it. Who knew it was uh, Robert Smith that had the balls? I know, right? right? A guy that says boys Where's don't cry. Eyeshadow and boys don't cry, and he's <laughs> the one who. Had, well, boys don't cry, I guess. Right? <laughs> boys take action yeah. and stick it to Ticketmaster. So good for him. Ticketmaster are a bunch of scam artists, and I hope they get what they deserve. And court proceedings uh, supposedly are going to be underway with all that kind of stuff. Anyway, let's move on. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen attacked. This was crazy. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen was violently attacked this past weekend outside of the Four Seasons Hotel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Florida. Happens in Florida, <laughs> right? Florida man, right? Uh, was He was reportedly smoking outside when this 19-year-old kid, look at the pictures here, everybody uh, who's listening, Tune into our YouTube channel, YouTube at Rock News Weekly, to see the video so you can see pictures of this kid. 19-year-old kid, um, Max Edward Hartley, rushed him, knocked him to the ground. He was arrested for the incident. And guess the, get this, it gets a little worse. Police reported that, he, uh, that Rick Allen uh, hit his head on the ground, causing injury, and that a woman attempted to help but was also attacked by Hartley multiple times and dragged by the hair. He reportedly fled the scene but was arrested on Tuesday after being caught breaking car windows near the hotel. So he wow. was he was doing other stuff like he maybe could have got away with this but he was out there breaking car windows in the parking lot. Wow, right? Okay, now let's look at this picture there. Yes. So this this is his mom. She looks like a nice lady. Looks like maybe some real estate <laughs> yeah, maybe lady. Yeah, look, this looks like a country club photograph or something. What is this behind here? There's like a little plaque on the desk there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Like best. Uh, best. And this is their family mansion down here. I guess I know. I so this guy, <laughs> this guy is, I mean, this is just classic. Comes from wealth and prominence, and he's out there breaking windows at the hotel parking lot at 19. And... Tackling the drummer from Def Leppard, a, a legend having a smoke, a legend, right? <laughs> My gosh! Now, okay, so this is, this is the moment. Yeah, I know we do a lot of guffawing on this show and sort of like you know right, ruining the right, day, right? right? But what's happening to kids these days? I mean, look at this. No, it's true, man. I mean, this is. Everybody that I posted about, uh, I posted on the the Bears social media about it. And all the reactions were negative. Like, what the hell is this kid even doing, you know? Right? I mean, Rick Allen, not to point it out, but he has one arm. So he survived a crazy-ass car accident. It was nuts. Lucky to be alive. You got to think, like, a kid tackling somebody, especially somebody who's disabled like that, is just like, he must have... He's he got on drugs. Got to be on drugs. Got to be on another planet mentally. Who knows what what it is they actually asked him look at this the part of the article did i write that let's see um he was asked no i didn't write it i didn't write it on here but it was in the article he was asked if he knew who he was if he knew that was the drummer from def leppard and he didn't reply he didn't say anything he didn't say no he didn't say yes so he didn't know what anyone was I, I think that probably hit him like a ton of bricks. They're like, did you know that was the drummer from Def Leppard? And you're going to be charged probably with assault and battery and all this shit. Uh, so anyway, man, who knows? Good gosh. Okay, this was a, a wild little event here. Uh, Avril Lavigne getting interrupted during the Canadian Juno Awards. 
You know, it happens around the same time as the Oscars. It's the same weekend, right? So Canada's Juno Awards got a big surprise this week as a, st a streaker walked on stage while Avril Lavigne was introducing an act. Wearing pink pants and a matching pink bandana, she had phrases written on her like, Land back and save the green belt. Apparently, it has to do with a highly controversial development deal in Canada's green belt region, where they're going to kind of develop this rural land. And uh, so this was uh, their form of protesting. Uh, I'm going to play the little video. It's actually censored, so we don't have anything to worry about here. Uh, it's on Twitter. <laughs> so, what do you mean nothing to worry about? So I'm going to play this, and I think you can kind of see Avril Lavigne's um, kind of reaction here. At first, she kind of, like, let her do her thing, and then she gets a little kind of uh, upset by the whole the whole what what's going on so let's uh let me show you here guys okay here it is check it out on the juno awards fused with his punjabi roots based in victoria bc his music is gay all right so we, we won't play too much more of it just because we don't want to worry about it um but yeah so what do you think of that this lady kind of protesting getting up there doing her thing um, all for supposedly uh, environmental cause. Do you think it was something like that is even worth it? Do you think is she going to get the response they want? Well, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I mean, she had land back on there. That's that's a good cause. Sure. There, um, you know, speaking of land back for First Nations and you know, also Native Americans. Um, but I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, Shoot, I, I mean, gosh, I'd say that's pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. You definitely it's, got some got some uh, attention to the. I cause. mean, yeah, we're we're talking about it. It's on there, uh, you know. It's and it's you know a clever way of grabbing attention on one of the biggest stages in Canadian media. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I'll be looking up the green belt today. I did, I and I have to admit, I did this whole thing. I deep dove into it uh, on Wikipedia. Looked up the Greenbelt region. It's like in this Ontario area, and it's this mountainous kind of um, nationally protected park type of area. But it's right on the fringes of suburbia and outside area where the very wealthy want to kind of make their big mansions and stuff out there. Uh, I see, I see. So anyway, Avril Lavigne getting uh, interrupted, and uh, she she wasn't too bad. It was a very Canadian interruption, I must say. Yeah. The security guard just like walked up there very quietly. Can you just, can you can, can you, you get down now? Yeah. Can you please get down thank now? Thank you now. Okay. Thank you now. All right. Uh, this was a crazy uh, development for the first time since 1987. Vinyl records outselling CDs. Isn't this crazy? For the first time in almost. 40 years just over 41 million vinyl records were sold in 2022 uh, only 33 million CDs were sold comparatively it was the 16th consecutive year of growth for record sales 71% of the physical format revenues that's pretty impressive Wow. Uh, recorded music revenue in the US grew for a 7th year as well reaching a record high of $15.9 billion, uh, which is pretty wild. Overall revenue was increased by 6%. I'd, I'd say, you know... What do you think? 
the the record is the superior technology. It is. It's fantastic. It just, it's just a it's just a better thing. It's just a better way to, to experience music. Not not only in technology, but just like as a connection with the artist and having a physical kind of way of doing that. Right. You got a nice big record. You have a nice big uh, what do you call it? The envelope. What is that thing called? Um, the sleeve or the sleeve. Yeah, you got it. I mean, it, you have all sleeve. of the everything that comes with it. Usually a poster. Ex- yeah, something a poster cool. something cool. It comes with a digital thing as well, so it's like the best of everything. It has yeah, it has everything. Um, CDs. I mean, now where can you even buy a CD player? Uh, it's really tough. I had to I buy mine to on eBay. For, I have to go and look for them at the flea market. Yeah, right? I had, I bought mine on eBay because yeah, you can't buy them, and there's nobody manufacturing them either. Like CD players, brand new, yeah, are very hard to it's find. There's like only weird out. brands like Denon and other weird brands that are actually making those new still. Yeah, unless you are willing to pay very high amounts for the Sony ones and some of the other like higher end brands that actually do make CDs, like Bose, things like that. But yeah, no, you're right. Now, and do you think it's a generational thing, or do you think that there's just something? You know, when it comes to the staying power of records, I mean, I I I pull up records that are from the 1930s and right. or not the, like the 40s. Yeah, right? sure, sure. And they're just fine, right? Yep. I can play them, and um, it, you know, I it, a CD within 10 years. Yep, not necessarily going to be doing very well. Especially the newer, like the newer CDs that they made. There was a, a time where the quality of the CDs really went downhill. Especially the first era of burn CDs that, oh, that we yeah. had. Yeah, they're absolutely horrible. They yeah. get these little spots, and then that over time they just like they start dissolve, kind of dissolve, yeah. and they peel, just it's like this right? really thin uh, membrane of of data in there, and it gets you know just. Dissolved, which you didn't. Re- I didn't realize that when I was a kid. It's just a little, no. little yeah. bit of foilish type type stuff. So in the in the late '80s, early '90s was like the golden era of CDs, where the all those CDs, like if you ever find CDs from the early '90s, like first pressings of bands or oh, whatever yeah. greatest hits, the Phantom of the Opera. Those are like the the legit ones that'll probably last you 40 years. But if you bought some of the ones in the late '90s, early 2000s, that's when they cut costs. And all of the quality went to shit. Hmm. So those CDs aren't going to last the way that vinyl does. Like you said, in comparison, if you buy a vinyl record now on nice 180-gram vinyl, um, it will last you probably 30 or 40 years if you take care of it. And that's, I think, the big appeal as well, that you're getting a good investment for your money. And I think that's why it's come full circle again where we're, we're having the way that I felt about vinyl back in the 90s when I found my dad's record collection. Yeah. And I got inspired to, like, get my own record player and check this stuff out. It, it And it was at the height of that technology at the time where it's almost anti-popular. It's, like, it's not functional, it's not portable, it's not practical. But that, I think, in itself is the whole point of it. That, wow, you're listening to the new Kendrick Lamar in the most unpractical, high-quality way possible? Wow, that's impressive compared to, here, let me play it for you on my shitty speaker in MP3 320 KB yeah. on this streaming service that is get, uh, Kendrick Lamar is getting one cent of my $9.99 a month. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, and I, I think that I don't know how much there is to this, but for me, buying a record is in a lot of ways striking back against that 
push to make everyone so mobile, so right. modular, so replaceable. Definitely. Right? My feeling well, and is subscription like, based. Yeah, and subscription based. Like I you own gotta this. Pay it. Yeah, no, I don't have to pay. And exactly. you know what? My, you know, I bought a record. At, there's an artist that I really like. Um, you ever heard Bamboo? Yeah. One of my, I, I mean, I'm just on a constant loop of Bamboo. I'm just a very, very, very big fan. Um, but you know, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a, a bamboo vinyl. I bought the only one that I can find. But it's like, you know, he gave away his whole catalog for it's free now. But I'm right. like, I want to do anything I can to support that artist in any direct way. Right. Um, That's the way to do it these days. Yeah. And I think it's the biggest. It's one of the biggest um, um, gaps in terms of from what it costs for them and the the money they make off of it. The artist gets that directly. More than streaming, more than CD sales, even more maybe than some merch or something. They This is a very big chunk of cash that goes directly into the band's pocket for this elaborate presentation of what they're doing. They're clearing a good, you know, 20, 30, 40% markup on something that we know as fans is expensive, but it's going directly to the band themselves. Yeah. So it's yeah. worth it. And I think people are able to, to justify that. And it's sort of this, you know, I think in these days when everything seems to be so fast moving and impermanent, it's a little piece of permanence that and you own um, it seems seems a little solid. Yep. Right? Yep. That's a good point, man. That's really good. All right. Let's get to that ad before we get to the birthdays. We have a new ad that we want to play for you guys. There's a new feature at Corn Camp and we want to play it for you guys. There's a new class. You need to sign up now. And you get to the website and check it out. It's called Quadratic Chaos, and you're about to check it out. So here it is. And now a message from one of our sponsors. Oh, man, I just can't get this right. Dang it. Hey, kids. Burpee here. <laughs> well, you all planning on packing your bags for card camp this year? No, not really. You have the difficulty of figuring out the complex timing of your favorite corn classics? Five-eighths, four-fourths, seven-eighths. It can be pretty tricky to learn sometimes, right? What if I told you you can learn these complex corn timings all with the elegant simplicity of quadratic equations? Uh, I, I guess that sounds cool. It's simply a matter of mathematics. I'm Corn Camp's new math teacher. Here to teach you some rockin' quadratic formulas to dissect the timing of your favorite card and songs. Cool! I've had quite a history with math and rhythm. Oh, my Sunday school days when the bristles of my mustache were but a downy fluff. Mother demanded a perfect cadence, discipline, and the truth of eternal forms. Oh, mother, what fondness of rhythm and timing she fostered in those my tender years. That is until, uh, until, no, no, I can't. Pardon us, Barry, uh, come back, please. You have a contractual obligation. <sighs> well, back, back in my beatnik days, I was entranced by the pulsing cadence of a coffeehouse bongo drum. The rhythmic snapping of fingers. That's a cool verse. Spooning the decadence of American vice. But, uh, Tired of that scene. <laughs> Calculating those rhythms was so pedestrian. I needed chaos. I needed anarchy. So I skipped the pod for London and began to thrash. 
punk rhythm flashes through my head. The rhythm gave me meaning. Solace. But living in a punk house didn't give me scabies, so I, I came home and I went to school. I went to Texas A&M. Math is it's just everywhere, kids. Even in your favorite corn classics, like... Dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> Y'all want a single. Love and meth. Well, it's Quadratic Chaos. Sign up for Gord Camp's Quadratic Chaos with Barry Anderson now. Go to CordCamp.com. <laughs> quadratic Chaos, guys. So you got to sign up. That's going to be a that's going to be a hot ticket. I feel like that might just save America. You know, <laughs> it's going to save Corn Camp. Dire, Corn Camp Definitely. was in dire straits. That's going to be a new attraction. Well, people just didn't see the like educational value. So I mean, the parents, you know. It's the parents' pocket. That's right, and right. I think it's—I think you're right. Seeing the, the the timing of their corn songs in a nice quadratic equation is going to be fantastic. Well, it reminds them of their youth, right? <laughs> Brings them back to the all the space That's right. race. That's right. right. The the good old space <laughs> good race. Good old space yeah. race. All right, it's time for some birthdays. So let's get to it. It's time for some birthdays. How about Happy. it? Happy. Birthday time. David, take it away. Birthdays. Billy Corgan, musician, uh, lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins and child star of uh, Small Wonder. <laughs> Not actually. Uh, is 56. <coughs> 56, man. Crazy, huh? Yeah, really. Um, Melissa Aftermar is, uh, of, of Hole, Smashing Pumpkins and Aftermar, is 51. 51, yep. Is that a current picture? Uh, that's yeah, I think looking it, good. Yeah, I know looking she's good. she's not she's not bad. Uh, John Sebastian, former leader of Love and Spoonful, good band, is seventy nine years old. Wow, seventy nine. Harold Brown, drummer of War, seventy seven years old. Seventy seven. We don't have very many birthdays this week. Adam Clayton, bassist of U two, is sixty three. Wow, he like my yeah. That's age. that's a pretty that. yeah, and that's a that's a new one. Okay, so that's it. Let's get to the trivia. That's it for birthdays. In rock and roll history, trivia. <laughs> Sally, uh, I saw you chat that you were you were laughing there. So you enjoyed? Did you enjoy uh, Corn Camp's Quadratic Chaos ad there? That was, uh, that was pretty good, right? <laughs> we'll we'll have more of that as uh, time goes on. All right, so we got some trivia for you guys. Oh, dang it. I'm still on the screen. Hold on. Let's change it to the uh, trivia screen. Ah! Trivia is stuck. There we go. Okay, time for some trivia. Let's do it. This week in rock and roll history trivia, David. 1974, all the way back to the 70s here. This band changes their name slightly. What band was it? They changed their name just a little bit. Was it A, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? B, Jefferson Airplane, C, The Yardbirds, or was it D, Creepin' Crosby and the Cocaine Calamity, David Crosby slithering on the stage like a snake dressed as Daniel Boone as he snorts small lines on the ground, and after each one, he shoots a single bullet from his six-shooter pistol in a random direction. Wow. Kind of like the cha-cha. Yeah, it's a little. <laughs> you, you don't know where it's... <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I always get these wrong. So I, 
I, you know, let, let, go with let, your gut. You gotta go, go with I, your gut. I, I just keep looking at Jefferson Airplane and Jefferson thinking Airplane. it might okay. be Jefferson Airplane. All right, go with your gut. This band. But how could they change it? Well, you'll see if if you're the correct. Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> the just the plane, just like little apostrophe yeah. and it says plane. The plane. Just uh, no, you're actually right, man. Look at that Jefferson Starship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Starship. That's right. So this week in 1974, changed your name to Jefferson Starship. The group was formed by former Jefferson Airplane members Paul Cantor and Grace Slick, evolved from several solo albums they did. And then in 84, he left and they changed it to Starship. And then they did that really horrible song, uh, We Built This City. Oh my on goodness! Rock and roll. That is like my childhood. That my was neighbor Starship. across the street. My goodness, that was Starship. You know, long way from White Rabbit and uh, need somebody to love. All yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starship. Oh yeah, we got That's another. Re- that was a real reboot. Right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Oh my god, uh, the '80s man. It was a wild time. All right, we got another trivia for you guys here. In 1963, even further back saw the release of a controversial hit single. Through the years, controversy continually surrounds this song, and it's been banned by some radio stations whose management thought the song is about something illegal. Whose song was it? Was it A, Carol King, B, Simon and Garfunkel, C, Peter, Paul, and Mary, or was it D, Cocaine Crosby and the Wilford Brimley Coke Stashes? Uh, so it's this, a weird, this, kind of a weird band. This one, I'm going with Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah, Do and you, I think it's uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff the Magic Dragon. Absolutely correct. This week in 1963, kind of shows you how far we've come with censorship, as it was banned by radio stations whose wow. management thought the song was about marijuana. They're puffing that magic dragon. Now, now I mean. They would ban this song. Did they ever ban what's the uh, what's the name of the uh, Righteous Brothers? Young girl, get out of my. Was that one banned? No, because well, it's about well, women, well. and and they like mm. they like women. They like young girls, but right? They Management. just didn't like. They the didn't like that marijuana, right? It's marijuana. The devil's lettuce. Yeah. Well, no. I like that song. That's I know, good. right? And it's That's like it's good. a harmless song, anyway. All right, so we got some new rock and metal album releases. David, can you do it in less than 30 seconds? I'm going to try. All right, we're going to try. Go for it. All-time low, tell me I'm alive. The answer, Sundowners, Ardent Nova, Ardent Nova, Chelsea Grin, Suffer in Heaven, Cross Country Diver, The New Truth, Downfall of Gaia, Silhouettes of Disgust, Ecstatic Vision, Live at Duna Jam, um, <laughs> e- Entropia, Total, Four Token, Triumphs, Gideon, More Power, More Pain, Hanoi Rocks, Oriental Beat, re-release, Invent, Animate, Heavener, John Diva, and the Rockets of Love, The Big Easy, Camelot, The Awakening, Cruelty, Unitopia, Utopia, The Lords of Altamont, The Hell of Tomorrow, The Lords We Are Now, uh, Night Demon, Outsider, Phantom Elite, Blue Blood, Redemption, I Am the Storm, RPOWL, Crime Scene. Oh, oh, almost. That was a long one. You were so, I know. I feel like my this performance week was long. is... It's improving. Much better. It is. Right? It is it much is. better. It is. You, you actually you got build it. Up the, you build up but the... But we had about like 10 extra than we normally do, so right? it kind of slowed Pop you down. Pop Evil Skeletons. Did I get RPW? You got that. What was your last one you got? Okay. Seven Spires, Live at Prague, uh, Power, Storm Warning, Storm Warning, Theory of Dead Man, Dinosaur, Trans World Identity, Seven Worlds. Yep. That was pretty good, though, man. You did. I got to say, you are improving. 
It's tough. I, you know, it's tough I, to do. I, you know, it's it's all in the. I feel like it's. I it's think not it's the album the names. It's the actual... And it's the album names that really. Some of those, right? Some of them are pretty Which wild. Which one did I have a hard time with today? To to the hell, hell with winning. tomorrow. The lords are. I I completely changed it. He, they should go with the one I said. Yeah, it's probably better. To hell with tomorrow. The lords are now. All right. Well, movie, TV, entertainment news this week, guys. Check it out. Uh, of course, the Oscars, um, hosted by Kimmel. Nobody got slapped. Did you tune in at all? Uh, no, no. See any I'm, of it? I'm a, I'm a real scumbag. <laughs> no, no. I usually don't. Uh, but for whatever reason, we watched a little bit of it this year. Um, one of the cool things that I liked was this that happened. Um. Uh, this was a reunion of sorts uh, from a movie that I'm very fond of from the 90s called Encino Man. I yeah, with Holly Shore, Brendan Fraser. There is a cameo or a little character from um, uh, that movie that won an Oscar the same night as Brendan Fraser did. And it was pretty neat. Um, they they both won an Oscar, I think. Um, K. K. He Kwan won Best Supporting Actor for Everything All at Once, and then Brendan Fraser won Best Actor for The Whale. They were both in uh, the movie Encino Man. Encino Man, and somebody made a joke about it and tagged Polly Shore in it. And Paulie Shore was very like gracious about it. He's like, I wish nothing but the best for these guys. I was watching as a fan, and very cool that they were able to get that. Um, Jimmy Kimmel said something like, uh, oh, I bet, I'm sure Paulie Shore is sitting at home crying alone or something like that. <laughs> and uh, as his two friends from Encino Man are getting Oscars, you know. So anyway, um, have you seen any of the movies that have been nominated yet? Uh, here? So I did, I did what I do on uh, Friday nights. Is I sit with my family, we turn on a movie, and I fall asleep <laughs> in like 10 minutes. Um, pretty much every Friday night. Wow. But I I woke up about every five minutes for this one. Oh, you were up? And uh, was like, what uh-huh. is happening? Um, when I was watching uh-huh. Everything Everywhere all at once. Oh, yeah. I have right. a friend who's a filmmaker, made some great films, and he recommended to me a few months ago this is the best this is the best one you should you should watch these days yeah yeah and i i was like okay i'm gonna do it uh (laughs) it did seem it did seem uh emotional right uh wild and funny Mm -hmm. i mean i woke up at one point there was some guys hopping around with butt plugs in or something (laughs) like that fighting kung fu um i mean it, it did look beautiful yeah it's and, but beautiful I, I, chaos. Yeah, beautiful chaos, right? right? I don't know the the whole multiverse thing though. I'm you know, yeah, I'm, that's I'm hard. a little bit saturated with that. Yeah, that's hard to um and it's also hard to translate to film with that kind of stuff the way um I think they're getting better in terms of uh, trying to be abstract with it in a creative way, but yeah. it's tough. And and it's, it opens that, a, opens a lot of options. Yeah. Right, right. but it's almost like it becomes kind of a parody or too much at that point, and you lose touch with like the reality of the message that they're actually trying to yeah. convey. Very, right? uh, very postmodern sort of disembodied experience. So I was, you know, I don't fall asleep when you watch this at home, kids. Yeah, like, try it's and pretty, stay awake the whole it's time. It's intense. 
It's out there. I did think Jamie Lee Curtis was um, pretty pretty good. Yeah, she I was saw. pretty cool in it. She was kind of creepy. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right, so there you go. Um, Oscars, all that. Amazon unveiling three satellite user terminals for their broadband company. How about that Amazon Mobile Internet or Amazon Internet at your home? It's starting wow. next year in 2024. The company announced this week this this terminal designed for residential and small business customers is expected to cost Amazon less than $400 to make. And Amazon did not say what it will charge for the terminals for, for the monthly service, of course. I'm sure it'll be all part of your prime or something, right? What do you think of that? So this would be <coughs> another offering other than what is there now? Comcast and... Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's good to have more than competition than have, in the marketplace. At the same time, like, it's Amazon. I know. Freaking hate Amazon, right? They're, but, you know. But I got to say, maybe it, if it makes the other guys lower their price, right? That could be a good thing. But I don't know, man. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things that with the resources that Amazon now has, uh, you know, the, the, are they edging to dominate this market as well? Sounds like right? it. Sounds like right? it. I mean, and that's... And it also, I mean, to me, it sounds like a way of them even getting more data on us. That yeah. if we were already giving them everything through the Alexa and our voice and all of our searching on Amazon's website, now, literally, we're giving them access to our whole modem and our computer and everything we do on the internet. Well, and I mean, they that, that's their main... They're made, they make most of their money now yes. through yes. Amazon Web Services yep. just holding data. So right? you got to imagine that all the stuff that you had probably sign a disclaimer when you sign up for it, that you agree to give them all the access to all that. Yeah. I. Yeah. Gosh. And, it, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I would I would look at it as, uh, you know, maybe a, 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 an advance. If there were still some other stores around, right? <laughs> you know, that's it's one of those that's things. That's the that, sad part about that it. That Amazon. You remember back They're, in the day when Amazon would sell you a book for a penny or whatever? Yeah, that's what they were all about. Books, right? And they and they, you know, in those years, they didn't turn any profit. No, because it, it was they just, were funded by venture capital, right? and then once that was over, you know, amazingly, we have to pay more for books now. And a lot of those mom and pop shops that were connected. Uh, you know, and people used to think of it as like, yeah, you know, Amazon at least supports these uh, folks by letting them sell things on the website. A lot of those have apparently been sort of pushed out. Yeah, dismantled um, and taken over, whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. And uh, as, if that's not enough to freak you out in terms of data collecting and AI, uh, Google announcing that all that stuff's going to be integrated in all their shit now, Gmail, Docs, and more. So Google, Gmail. Sheets, slides, Google Docs, it's all going to be integrated with OpenAI ChatGPT. So now you can generate full emails in Gmail based on your brief bullet points and the ability to produce AI imagery, audio, and video. So it's all going to be put together. Wow, what a great email we got from Frank, and it was all put together by AI. And I wonder if he knew that he put it out. He probably put, like... A bullet point, four bullet points into the little generator, and it created this really nice email. Hey, you ever, you know what Nextdoor.com is? No, it's the app. It's an app, right? Yeah, is that the? Um, it's like Ring. Uh, it's like, like a, um, they so it's, it's like a neighborhood it's monitoring, like a neighborhood sort of. It's a neighborhood Facebook sort of a thing, right? Right. But what I, the reason why I mention it is that they um, they find out who your like 
contacts are. Like they figured out like who my contacts were, mm -hmm. and they started sending out mail, <laughs> like letters in the mail, wow. without me really realizing. There was some setting that I didn't wow. realize was set up, and they were sending out letters in the mail to people that were my contacts, saying that I was encouraging them to join. Nextdoor.com. <laughs> hey, and I got, I got one of them was like, hey, I got this letter from you. <laughs> and it says it's written in like, say, as hey, if guys, I'm saying, it's like, hi, DJ. I really <laughs> want you to join the whatever. And I was like, what the heck? You know? That's crazy, So, dude. you know, if we've got ChatGPT doing this for us now, you it's could have a bunch happening. of letters going out and you yeah. don't even know it accidentally, you know? Yep. Isn't that crazy? Might have some personalized stuff. Well, maybe it's all going to end in 2046, David. As oh, yeah. NASA identifies a new that asteroid sucks. that could impact Earth. So, hey, on and get this, Valentine's Day, 2046. Spread the love. Well, that's about <laughs> par for course on my Valentine's days. <laughs> NASA says there is a very small chance of impact, but orbit analysis will continue to watch the asteroid named 2023 DW. Oh. Okay. So... Are we gonna have the uh, like the oil rig guys going out? And <laughs> I hope so. It up. I hope probably. Bruce Willis. No, he's got like dementia now. I don't think Bruce is gonna be able to do it. Or is this gonna be the look up one? Oh yeah, maybe. I really hope not. <laughs> so we had a huge collapse of a bank uh, this past week. We're not gonna get all into the weeds on that, but Silicon Valley Bank. One of the big things that made the headlines was people that use Etsy and a lot of other services apparently go through that bank. So people that were selling their stuff on Etsy, like that have their shops on there, make their income, they couldn't be, they were not able to be paid. And uh, they were, you know, working on that. I think they have been, since you're hearing this, they've definitely been paid by now. But there, I think there was about three or four days there this past week where they didn't get any funds that they normally get. Uh, this lady was like, I'm a mom of three. I run a small business. Those funds feed my family, pay my bills. Weren't able to pay them. Uh, and, you know, Etsy's and that bank was responsible for it. Pretty crazy, man. What do you feel, just real quick, on remember when all this stuff happened in 2008, bank collapse, all that shit, everybody bailed everybody yeah. out. It was kind of against the um, popular opinion that the taxpayers should not be bailing these banks out. What do you think about these banks, you know, can this stuff continuing to happen, that deregulation well, that took place a couple years ago? You know, the, the thing for me is I see it as, you know, they bail these banks out. Um, and it's, you know, same in 2008. Like, the, the question is, if it is a big bank versus if it's a normal, everyday person. Um, and, you know, in that case, they bailed out the banks and then the normal, everyday people, they did not. Right? They could right. have. Right? They right. could have gone from that end, uh, build out people, and then that would have helped pay their, you know, their mortgages and stuff like that. But in this situation... You had the banks getting bailed out more than they actually were uh, that they were um, uh, obligated to, right? There's right. A, the insurance. The FDIC is supposed to give you an insurance on two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars worth of you know your 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 loan whatever, or whatever right. insured on that that amount, and they gave them the whole thing back. I mean, they weren't even insured for it. So yeah, they, like they paid you, more than they're insured. So say like you lost fifty thousand. They're going to give you the full 250 Yeah. Just on everything because you're insured by that amount. So they cleared all this money, basically claiming all of that insurance. 
and it's all well these well more compensated than they actually lost. Yeah. So they, I mean, they're 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 paying them back more than they than they should be insured for. And the question was, you know, would this happen for for normal nope. everyday people or a smaller bank? And I Absolutely think it was Janet not. Yellen that said, yeah, probably not likely that we would actually. Pretty help crazy, a man. Bank, so. Yep. I. Yep. And there it is about that. Two fifty right there. All right. So yeah, let's move on from that though. It sucks. Um, all right, this was weird and gross. Have you heard of sushi terrorism? <laughs> no. It is a thing that's going I on. I laugh about that. I, maybe I shouldn't laugh. Well, I guess it's kind of a combo of both. It's kind of like it's becoming a uh, trend in Japan where they have these sushi conveyor belt restaurants. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a big like thing, boats right? boats floating by. Right. Yeah. And it's this, uh, you know, they display all the freshly made sushi or whatever, right? Uh, so these kids, these YouTubers, are going out there. They're pouring wasabi, licking, tampering with the fish. And viral videos on social media are showing these high schoolers touching the raw fish with a licked finger, licking soy sauce bottles, all kinds of gross stuff. And they're making viral videos on this, right? But they are not messing around because the crime of forcible obstruction of business Carries a maximum penalty of three years. Oh wow! They are not met. So these kids have been arrested, and they're talking about like, oh, is it a harmless prank, or should we prosecute them for the full three years? What do you think? Like, if there was a 15, 16 year old kid trying to make videos for YouTube, do you think they should be prosecuted to that full extent of the law, or like, oh, give him a break, he's just messing around? I mean, I think this highlights something, right? Yeah. Full three years? I mean, how would you have had the uh, any bus boycotts? Would you have had the uh, sit-down yeah. strikes? And well, sa- here's a thing that they pointed out. Sushiro, it's a popular chain that does this, the conveyor belt. They saw their stock drop in the aftermath of these incidents. And so I guess that's probably what sparked some of this. People like, like oh, I don't want to go eat there because people are licking yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then so now the, actually the stock price is dropping. Shareholders are g- being affected by this. So it's uh, kind of turned into something. I don't know, man. I kind of, I think I kind of like this sushi terror. <laughs> this is sushi a, you know, terror. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like uh, the, the having that sort of penalty is onerous. I mean, it should it's pretty be, wild, you should right? Get in trouble for it, but there not be three a, but years. Three years for a teenager licking a sushi thing. Yeah. Then that costing a company. It's like, you know. <laughs> Companies will do things on their own to make themselves yeah, look bad. Yeah, very true. They don't true. have to go to jail for three years, do Very they? true. No, no. And you're right. And these are just regular, you know, underage mostly. Yeah, they're Teenagers, just kids, right? High schoolers. Man. Crazy, huh? All right, who are you going to vote for in 2024? Is it going to be Joe Exotic? He's running again. Because he made this post, and he's got a website, and you could sign up for news and updates, David. From Netflix's Tiger King, Joe Exotic. And guess what? He's doing this all from jail because he's still in prison. He's still in prison. He's serving a 20-year prison sentence. So you elect him, and he'll serve... Joseph Allen Maldonado. Serve from jail. You know... How is it that you're able to run from run for the presidency from jail? Well, that's, a, that's a, what was that, uh, Eugene V. Debs. Right, got a couple million votes back in the. How is that a constitutional day? right? You think that they really, the forefathers uh, envisioned that, that this is, this is what is in the constitution. Well, I mean, we might have one of those situations up here pretty soon. Did you hear the news that uh, 
They that Trump told everyone that he's expecting to get arrested on Tuesday. Oh yeah, yeah, he made a big deal, and isn't that uh, revealing court information from the case? That's like, um, like you're not supposed oh. to do that or something like oh, that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's there's some controversy about the way he's been handling it, and that uh, oh, no way, no you know, right? This is not a guy that likes controversy. Who knew? No. Uh, so we got to get Joe Exotic. Yeah, in there. I vote for Joe Exotic. I mean, shoot, I mean, he's between, got that tiger right between there between Trump and DeSantis or someone. I mean, I take <laughs> Joe Exotic over them. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what's his name? Ho- Joseph Allen Maldonado. Write him in, guys. Or what's the other guy? Um, the uh, I don't, yeah, I don't Doc remember. Doc Anton or something like that. Oh, the guy God. who had the yeah, I don't know that ran from jail. Doc Antle. That oh, was his okay. Name. Oh my God. Well, do what you want with your vote, guys. Uh, RockNewsWeekly.com. We're out of here for this week. All socials at RockNewsWeekly. Watch the video on demand on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us. Get a notification when we upload. Uh, YouTube at RockNewsWeekly. Twitch.tv slash RockNewsWeekly. Every Sunday around 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you can watch us live. Have a good rest of your afternoon and your week. We'll see you next time, guys. Peace. See you later. Go. That's that.